Hey, this is Donnie Kate. And I'm Ryan Stegman. And we are Venom. <laughs> Flawless in execution. Yes. Every time. Got it in one. Yep. You're a maestro of the scalpel. <laughs> That's something. Making with the cuts. Yep. That is something. There's an art. There's an art to killing. There is. You, my friend, are a maestro. Ain't that right, Jason? He's a virtuoso. Nice. He's the Stradivarius of slaughter. <laughs> Gonna have fun this week. So much fun. So many books were consumed. Tremendous amount. Bigly. Bigly amount. Yes. yes. I think we could reforest. Is that a word? Reforest? It is today. Okay. We could reforest the Canadia. With all of the books that we've read for this week. It's nothing to joke about. But I'm just saying. If we stacked up all our books. Canada would have no problem. We read as many books as Trump has indictments. Mm. Hey everybody. It's 11 o'clock <laughs> comics. Episode. It's like 4,000 lawsuits or something in like 30 years. <laughs> Stupid. Eight, it is 11 o'clock comics. What it is. 857. God damn. Right. Creeping up on nine. Creeping. Nine hundreds looking in the window at your panties. It's way and in, way I in. am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed. And of course, I am Calvin Brodus. Wow. You sound like Slippy Fingers McGillicuddy. You are not <laughs> Calvin Brodus? Who is that? What? Snoop Dogg, my friend. Oh, I didn't know that. It's his given name. I know him as Snoop Dogg. Well, as do most people. Right. Calvin Brodus. I like that. It's got a nice ring yes. to it. I don't think it would have been superstardom worthy. Probably not. Yeah. I think right. he's going the country music route, maybe. But Are these yeah. commercials with Pretty him right. sitting on the beach with that dude? I can't. I can't. Andy I think, Samberg? Uh, yeah, I think they're weak. They're very weak. They must be it's effective though, because they keep doing them. I mean, right. like they keep bringing new people in to to cameo with them. So you are not Calvin Boddicker. You are <laughs> Jay- <laughs> Jason. Rude, everybody here yeah, today again. This is an average, good old fashioned take your pants off episode. We're mm. just going to talk about comics, relax, have a Turkey good time. Pants. We love the guests, but this is it's our time now. We'll get some alone time. And if you're going to have some alone time with some book, where are you going to go where the prices are super low? Cheap graphic novels? Yes. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. The proof is in the name. They wouldn't be able to call themselves cheapgraphicnovels.com if they didn't sell cheapgraphicnovels.com. Now, um, the Max is currently running a massive... Conan the Barbarian sale. Oh my goodness. 55% off a plethora of Conan trades, epic collections, Omnibu, original Marvel years. Some of, the, some of the Dark Horse stuff is in there. It's all good. It's all classic. You need it. And get 
this. The Mahmoud Azrar Jason Aaron set is on sale. It's nuts. Just go there. It's running until June 23rd. In order to reap the maximum savings, here's what you got to do. You got to place an order. Order maybe one Conan book, right? And then you're going to get an email verification saying, thank you for ordering from CheapGraphicNovels.com. And you're going to reply quickly to that email and say, my dude, 11 o'clock comics sent me. And you're going to get another email saying, well, guess what? Your next order, 50 wait, free. What am I saying 50% off? That's a pittance. You're going to get a free shipping credit on your second order. So that's when you bone up, load up, back up the tractor, and get all the Conan books you didn't order on your first order. It's very easy. Smart. Be a smarty. Go to CheapGraphicNovels.com and reap the rewards of cheap graphic novels. Preach. Yes. And you can holy water and everything. My forehead's wet. Damn. Yeah. I'm giddy. Or giddy. Yeah, you know why? Why? I know I shouldn't be because karma's a bitch, but somebody died today. And I'm kind of happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All oh, right, facts. everybody. Yeah, it's a nice little pride gift, yeah. It yeah. is. Pride, pride month starting off right. Yeah, go fuck yourself. I. Indictments and deaths to celebrate. Woohoo. Woohoo. We are so upscale. My pinky's mm-hmm. out. I am drinking the Blackberry Lemonade Water. That's it. Blackberry Hardcore. Lemonade. How your legs feeling after these runs? Psst. Dude, it's, only, it's only three miles. Uh, but uh, okay but feeling good i feel then? good yeah i feel good right, nice. i just knee, I, i'm knees uh, be yeah, all right? yeah my knees are fine you know me i want everything and i want it like yesterday so i know i'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pushing myself and when i get there i remember the one hot dog a day for like nine months straight remember that well now now it's bananas i've 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 ramped it up to bananas granola here and there you know salad stuff like that that hot dog shit, I know there's too much sodium in it. Get the sweats. Yes, there is. Yeah. It's the one thing I don't I don't uh worry about is sodium intake. Okay. No, I'm saying like it's the thing that I definitely don't like it. I definitely ingest a lot of sodium, but you gotta have something that you you'd give in. And, I know. love the sodium. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh well, I got two things here. Uh got a little Schweppes sparkling Pink grapefruit seltzer water, all natural and unsweetened. For those wondering, and uh, and then I also have a, a G Zero <laughs> lemon lime. So pretty excited. There's somebody in Kenny Bunkport wondering what 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 is Jason? I want to need the specifics of what Jason's drinking. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Hey, there's people out there. That's right. Yep. Figure Schweppes is a global brand, right? Probably get it everywhere. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you should. Yep. Ah. Dap, you're going to save the, uh, you're going to course correct us? I will tonight. Um, I'm going to follow it with some, some delicious water. But right now, I am enjoying um, my new favorite bourbon, uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company. It's their origin series from Kentucky. It's a 96 proof, and it is really, really good. Wow. Like it's, I mean, it's it's the kind of bourbon where... No lie, and I'm not trying to, you know, persuade him 
into drinking something he's not a fan of, but this is actually a bourbon I am pretty sure Jason would even like. That is tough talk. I know it is. I know it is. And I don't say it lightly. I don't I'm not gonna talk about it like this with Jim Beam or Knock Creek or anything mm-hmm. like that. But this this I think this would not I think you would scrunch your face if you had a sip. Okay. Well listen, I mean when I see you in October, we'll give it a try. Maybe what? we could try to make that, you know, a little sooner, but sure. It's gonna be before. I see you are so doom and gloom. It's unbelievable, mm-hmm. Chicken Little. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm not the You I'm are the Chicken Little, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the worst. Mis- that's probably the worst characterization of me ever for a miss. The sky is not falling. We will meet before October. My yeah, goodness, September twenty ninth. No. Okay. Okay. All right, people. Well, uh, we teased it on the way in. We've read a lot of comics this time. A lot. Our lists are overflowing. Feel me flow. Yeah. Like naughty by nature. Do you so, want? <laughs> do you want to go first, Jason, and tell us, uh, give us a little inside baseball on what you read? Well, there is something, and I don't think I don't remember if either of you read any of it. No, we did because we talked about the first. I don't know if it was the first arc, but we talked about the first few issues for sure. So I don't know if you guys kept up with it though. And that is Faithless by um, Brian Azzarello and Maria Lovett. I know we talked about the early issues, but I don't remember. Like, I don't. I honestly have no recollection if you guys kept up with it. No, because there's seriously not. three volumes of it now. Yeah, I don't know. Just there is a. Um, I know that they're doing a, like a black and white version now, or, or, or. But yes, I. I was waiting for the the collection, which I know has since been solicited, and I'll just get that one of these days. Yeah, so that, I got the hard. <laughs> I got the hardcover, which collects all eighteen issues. There were three. Like Vince was saying, there were three six-issue limited series, uh, aptly titled Faithless 1, Faithless 2, and Faithless 3. But it's a, it's essentially an 18-issue um, ongoing story. Uh, and they put out a very nice hardcover. Uh, Boom. Boom is the publisher. They put out a very nice hardcover collection of it. And I, I, um, I had, like like you guys, we had read the first few issues and talked about them on the show, I guess probably, what, like a year and a half ago or whatever. And, um, and, and it was a little confusing for sure. So I just waited and uh, I didn't pick up any of the issues from volumes two or three. I figured they'd eventually collect it and they did. And I'm glad I read it this way. I read it in one sitting. Um, we talked a bit about it on the Slack this week. And I said it's essentially like a pornographic fever dream. Um, it's really a story that that is hard to pin down from a, just talking about it like a, like a narrative. The, the, at its heart, it's it's uh, it, the story is revolves around a, a woman named Faith, hence the Faithless, um, who she is like a, loosely an aspiring artist, but doesn't seem to be taking it all that seriously. But very quickly, through a series of people she meets, people in quotes. She becomes this uh, like incendiary hot modern artist and gets caught up in that world uh, at a breakneck pace from and and I will say right up front, one of the things that I really connected to with this is that although she is um, a female and fictional, this reminded me a lot of uh, of Basquiat's story, you know, Um, and we've talked many times. I'm, I know we're all big fans of his of his art and him as a person. I, I he's one of my favorite artists of all time. And and, and you know, to, for those that don't know, uh, Basquiat was effectively making um, street art and and dirt poor. And Andy Warhol and uh, and and 
one of Warhol's good friends who ran one of the preeminent galleries in New York at the time, basically met him in a chance encounter. And within six months, um, Basquiat's paintings were selling for $25,000, $30,000 a piece, which, again, this is, you know, the in the early 80s, which is just a tremendous amount of money. And then from there, they got even crazier. And and, and he became one of the pop culture icons of 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 the moment and uh, and then sadly died a few years later, um, although he was wildly prolific in between those those fans. But anyway, that so I don't know if Azarello had that in mind, but this to me read a lot like that, which drew me in because I do love that because I, I love that so much. But um, but really, to me, this book if you're going to if you're going to enjoy it you have to just disconnect yourself from it as a narrative and accept that it is like just this wonderfully crazy erotic um artistic uh journey of this very loosely about this woman's life over this period of time when she goes from from unknown to 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 famous um and it's it's in in some ways almost felt like a um like a like a, a stage play because Although it's global, I mean, one of the arcs is set in Italy, um, the first arc set in New York, it, it, it's it's really a story that revolves around just a few characters. Um, there are lots and lots of, of supporting people around them, uh, but, but ultimately the story is about Faith. Uh, her lover, Beth, who is, um, who is essentially the, the world's, like the supermodel of the world, you know, like the top runway model. Um, uh, Beth's dad, a quote unquote dad, who is uh, his his name is uh, Thorn, and he's of course um, uh, you know he's a he's a take on the devil basically. But but he he um, he is in this story um, like the he is the Andy Warhol. He he is this incredibly famous artist, modern artist, and and has kind of evolved from just being a modern artist to being a tastemaker. So when people get brought, brought into his world, just being around him makes them famous, you know? And, and, and Faith, being a young artist in the city and a young art student, just adores him. And she starts hooking up with, with, with Beth and then meets uh, Thorne at a party and realizes it's, it's Beth's dad. And then, and then, uh, and then she becomes lovers with them both. And then there are a few other people. There's a, a Lenny Kravitz-looking person who's supposed to be one of the world's biggest singers, rock stars, and and they are all involved. And then there's a few other characters. But essentially, it's the book for 18 Issues is them interacting with one another and dealing with the fame and the hero worship and like the godlike worship of, of fame. And so this kind of felt to me like Azarello playing around with the concepts of fame and art and the overlap of that and the idol worship. And uh, like I said, there's, there's a, there's a fashion person, there's a, there's a cultural icon, there's a singer. So it's like, I felt like he was just kind of riffing on this idea of celebrity and fame and it's transient nature. But the draw here is Maria LaVey's, I don't know if it's LaVey or LaVey, she's French. Uh, so it's probably, it's probably LaVey, but I'm not sure. I've never seen it pronounced, heard it pronounced, but um, but but her art is the draw here. Um, for those that haven't read the book yet, she's I think unapologetically a, a Guido Krepax, um, you know, um, acolyte. Like she said in interviews, that's you know, like probably yeah, yeah, like probably like many like many European artists. I mean, she was just but but it looks like that or like Evangelion or or, or Ion Flux. Like the characters are all very very 
thin and wispy and, and, and long limbed. They're very fluid. The art um, is 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 very organic. She's not much for tons and tons of detailed structural line work in the backgrounds or anything like that. Uh, it's it's much more fluid, which is great, and it's highly highly erotic. I mean, it's just it's it's well, it's pornographic. I mean, there there are uh, incredibly vivid sexual scenes and and uh, all measure of genitalia, hmm. uh, and a lot of those scenes morph into other things. Um, like, in fact, I remember when we all talked about the the first issue or two. When Faith and 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 her lover first hook up, at one point they pan pan out and 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 Faith is is being you know her girlfriend's going down on her and suddenly she she turns into a bunch of maggots like so it's this is not for the faint of heart I mean it's there's hot. some visually arrest yeah some visually arresting images in this there are scenes in later issues where uh, you know Faith is getting gang banged by a bunch of demons of different shapes and sizes there's all kinds of very graphic sometimes violent sometimes um certainly sadomasochistic if not violent sexual depictions so uh this is this again this is know your audience this is something that's that's for a specific type of 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 person who can appreciate that if that's not your vibe you will get nothing from this book um but it worked for me you know it worked for me and, and i i think that um once it was over, it's it. That's why I say there's not much of a narrative. I'm not sure I came away with any kind of clarity as to what it was all about. Um, you know, there's talk that Thorn is the devil, and then it's somewhat. I mean, maybe it's not even hinted at. It might be over, but but I don't know that that really even matters. What is important that is that Thorn is is definitely supernatural. There's definitely other planes of existence that they're bouncing in and out of. She descends into madness. She may or may not have a child by him. It's not it, – it, sometimes you think she really does have a child, but, but the child's been taken away from her. At other times, it may just be in her mind, and it was all a dream. So you, and, and they don't really resolve any of that, at least to any cl- with any clarity. And I liked it. I like that. I, I read it. I came away thinking this is something I, I don't – this is not like something I've read before. Uh, the art was fantastic. I like erotic comics, obviously, and and it worked for me. Um, you know, I I think it's definitely something worth experiencing if you are into adult European style erotic comics. Um, I think you'll very much enjoy it. And if that's not something that's your vibe, then you shouldn't ever crack the book open. Um, mm, so nice, you know, yeah, well, I like it a lot. You gotta know if you're having sex with demons, plural, they're not gonna take a number. Right, they're not going to stand around it's like, oh no, 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 after you, good sir. Like they're gonna, they're demons. That's what they do. Yeah, so I yeah, would exactly. expect demons to, to engage in the, the gangus bangus. That's that's <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I I always I, something you said triggered um, uh, concepts that I I think about a lot, and it's and exactly pertaining to Warhol in many cases. Um, was that if had Andy not had the Velvets as his house band, factory band, would Lou Reed, John Cale, would they would the Velvets ever have careers? Sure, right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, and same with like Ginsburg. If Ginsburg didn't bring the Fugs in and and you know be the the soundtrack of Ginsburg. And yes, that's a, a much lower scale because I don't think the Fugs are a, a, a household name. I don't think the Velvets are either, but at least people know who Lou Reed is, right? Um, would these people have ever been 
popular? Would it, would they have careers? Like who, who could say? That's just the whole thing. Like right place, right time. And the power in Andy's fingers to, to just create a Basquiat from, you know, this kid's good. I'll bring him in. And the art world has changed because Andy had the, the vision, the foresight, just the, the good taste to realize what Basquiat was doing was really important and groundbreaking. And so let's bring him in. Bang. You got another another um, world-class artist on your hands because another one was popular enough to push him through to the masses. Definitely. That's fascinating. And, 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 it's just fascinating. Yeah. And, and again, Azzarello, I, I don't, I don't think like it's stretching to say that he was going for these kinds of, of, of he wanted us to think and talk about these ideas because, like, he has in the, I don't remember because I, like I said, only read the first, uh, the first series before I got the hardcover, but like in the hardcover there are chapter breaks and and there are um, quotes from from different people and like Warhol, like Warhol's the his 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 is one of the first it's like art artist which you can get away with you know so like this is definitely like trans this is transgressive by design i mean there's a scene uh and (laughs) there's a scene where uh where you're seeing different visions of hell and there's uh the second panel is is like a catholic cardinal uh munching the ass of a pig demon nice (laughs) then then there's a bunch of dogs wearing nuns habits fucking each other there's a, a a rat with a giant um, like sword dick about to like pounce on some. Now see, some, I'm not being some, facetious. Mm-hmm. Do you need any more than that? Right. No. Sure. I mean, right. that's well. Right. And that's that. That's the thing. I mean, that I think that it's it's visually arresting, but beautifully done. Beautiful meaning. It's really well rendered and 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 creative and and uh, yeah, it gets you thinking. It makes you think like I, I don't. I haven't seen something like this in a minute. Right. You know, right. Maybe the, ever. Yeah. The mm-hmm. story could be complete gobbledygook, but. I'm going to remember a rat with a sword dick. Like that's yeah, not that's yeah. not going to go away. I was just talking yeah, to Daphne the, the, the other way, the, day. The about model's it. name is Poppy. I got the name wrong, but anyway, Poppy. it's Poppy. Poppy. Peter I don't know why I forgot that, but Poppy. Yep. But yeah, no, it, it, it's it's a blast. I mean, you guys will definitely appreciate it. But but I mean, it's like you know, this is you know, sometimes we talk about comics. In fact, there's one we all read this that that there's certainly it. We can be confident that like seventy percent of our listening audience would at least be like theoretically into it but this is a more niche thing you know i don't know if it's five percent or forty percent you know we right. got we have some 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 open-minded folk that have stuck around with us so it might be greater than that but i'm just saying there are definitely some people there like this is not going to be for them and that's fine i revel in the stuff that the five percent love oh of course uh well listen yeah. that's why you're everybody that's why you're that's why you're the favorite of the three of us that's <laughs> not even remotely that's true, true. It's not. No, it's, it's, very much no, it's because of a rat with a sword dick. That's why. Because <laughs> I, mean, I just love stuff like that. Like, what are yeah. you going to do? Yeah, and Lovett's done other stuff, um, but this is the only thing I've read of hers. And uh, I definitely look forward to seeing her, uh, you know, do other stuff. I'm, I'm definitely into her work for sure. Yeah, me too. Echoes of, of Pope. There's there's echoes. Yeah. Now, I'm not, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 It's, she's not screaming it, but there's very there are traces of Mr. Pope. She work. um she said her like growing up her main um because I read a TCJ did an interview with her last year, um she said her main um um inspiration was the mangaka who did Evangelion um uh, Shin, Shin, uh Shinji Higuchi yes 
So yeah, that was her. That was her. That was her slime. That was that was her top. That was her inspiration. Slime. Yeah, so you, kids, you're, kids today. Yeah, your slime are like your your best friends. Your slime. You're my that's, slime. That's all. Oh, that's what. I'm, yeah. You know. You're that's my your slime. slime. You know, like, you're my slime, Jason. Yeah. It's or like you know like or like McDonald's coffee can be your slime too. It's like things you really love. Well, I don't know if Frank was prescient. No, he wasn't because it's derogatory. But he has a song called "I Am the Slime." There you go. But it's not about being your good buddy. Mm-hmm. It's about and the. There, sh- there, before we move off this, there are two other things that I think are fascinating to me about this. One that Azarello wrote it, because like he's not done anything else like this, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, he definitely has played in the in the darker parts of 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 more conventional humanity, like with Hundred Bullets and the like. But like, he's never done anything really, really like this. Certainly, and I, I so I, I give him credit for giving it a whirl. And then this is published by Boom. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. Like this is not a boom book. I like this. Well, this is obviously like a it is. Or a fan of graphics book, you know. Yeah, yeah. You shut so. me right down. Oh, I didn't you, mean to. No, sorry. you shut me down. To, you said, "I hate Frank." That's what he said. Sorry, I just really get that thought out. But no, I apologize. It's a good thought. Nah, we're good. <laughs> we're good. So there's. I don't. I, I, I don't know if you guys um, bother. Well, okay, so I don't. I tend to kind of stick with, with with what i enjoy and every once in a while no I'll, i do no believe it or not but there are but but then i i kind of just get that that little little tinge where i i want to kind of go back in time and feel like what it was to be a young comic book fan just completely blown away by the visuals and just yes. jumping into a story that could just be I don't know where it's going to take me. It could be nuts. It could be not. What's weird, though, about this particular scenario, and, and for this instance, I'm, I'm a Miles Morales fan, and I've been enjoying the new run by Cody Ziegler and um, Federico uh, Vincentini, and and it. The first arc is great. We're introduced to a new character called Rabble, and her deal is that uh, she basically, she just hates, despises Miles Morales, and it's only because... Ooh, I like her already. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> but it's... And, and you should, because she feels very entitled to it, so it's all you. But it's she, true. she has... She um, she was promised the moon and the stars because she's extremely intelligent. Her parents said you could have whatever you want. It's the American dream. We're in the states now, and you know you should go for it. And and so they put her in the lottery for Brooklyn Visions Academy. But unfortunately for her, Miles Morales got the golden ticket. So she has resentment towards miles and everything he holds dear because he also there are moments where and we're all like this i'm not going to say squandered it or squanders it but he he could he kind of just takes it for granted and and obviously he knows he has to do well because he wants to make his parents proud but he also you know he wants to he doesn't want to blemish on his on his record he's he's there for school and 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 he wants to be the best he can be but but there are times where yeah he could be a little lazy and he's just like i'm tired of it and and he's also he's going around saving the people of brooklyn so that could be a little tiring 
and and he kind of maybe just kind of phones it in from time to time in class. But um, Rabble has access to basically all things digital. She has access to school records. She had she has access to birth records and 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 to family records. And so she she's doing all of this and and she's getting all this information. So she finds out that Miles is Spider Man, and she finds out who Miles. She finds out about his family. She finds out who his friends are, and it's not she she's not wilson fisk where she's you know dismantling his life piece by piece but she just she goes and attacks and and um she takes out starling who of course we mentioned earlier is the vulture's granddaughter and and she kidnaps ganky and and she blows up miles's home with his parents inside and and billy is inside so uh he he, he makes it and he saves the day but he he's he's basically the first arc is just him dealing with this new character de- dealing with rabble um and you know being spider-man he of course wants to save her and and try to show her um the error of her ways and and how they can maybe work together this that and the other however i don't i have no problems dropping a title if like some line wide crossover is going to interrupt it for a couple of months i'll just come back when it's over because i'm not buying 80 other books and this is why it is that that's just the way that, which is why I, I really appreciate off topic dc's whole night terrors event because they're not interrupting i mean a lot of books are taking like a couple months break but i don't have to buy like night terror superman to keep reading superman they're just it's taking a break there is an event, however, crossing over into Miles Morales Spider-Man, and it's only two months. It's only two issues of Spidey, um, and it's in total a seven-issue event. Um, but it's a little bittersweet because it's an event centered around Cletus Cassidy, aka Carnage. And How's that bittersweet? That's because, that's like the icing on the cake. No, that friend. that's all you. This is all you, boo, because I, since day one, since the character was first introduced, thank you, Mark Bagley, for drawing it, I do not care for Carnage. I do not like the character. And, and, and there's and the reason, and, and, and I know you love it. It's chaos, and oh my God, and he's a serial killer. He's a cool serial killer. You're not yeah, supposed I, to like I, him. I, I, no, no, no. It's not that you're not supposed to like him. Obviously, you're not supposed to like him. He's, 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 he's a heartless, and he's just... He's not a character you're supposed to like. Obviously, that that's not where I'm at with this. My my problem, and and again, it's totally a me thing. My issue with the character, my issue with Carnage, is that there are there are certain things that, um, well, put it bluntly, I I do not I do not feel the Amazing Spider-Man is a place for a serial killer i i it, that's that's just that's just the me thing i just i don't i it, not that spider-man obviously hasn't dealt with violence and death because whether it's his uncle whether it's his girlfriend the love of his life and yes bad things happen have happened to peter parker and happened to spider-man since it started but this is just the type of character that i i i feel really has no place in a spider-man book and you can introduce him anywhere else but it's just one of those things where it's just like, why why did... I, I, and think back to when Carnage was introduced. So obviously I was a lot younger then. 
but I just it, it just never sat right with me. I just I, I don't like the character. I don't like that he he's created and 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 his origins are in an amazing Spider-Man comic. That that's that's just me, and, and that's fine. And I don't I I'm in the minority, and that's cool. I know you know. Listen, he was in the second Venom movie, and and this is great. He's just not a character I dig. So how do you introduce the character not in a Spider-Man book? Uh, no, I, I get the whole Venom it, attachment. It, yeah. And, and you no, know, Spider-Man begat Venom and then Venom. I get all that. That's, that's, I, I understand. And if it was, maybe if it wasn't a serial killer, I, he's just, he, he's, and obviously he's violent by nature and that's the whole purpose. But it, it's just, it's a little too much for me in a Spidey book. So you don't consider the Punisher a serial killer? I was just going to make that point. I was no, no, and, that's, and, yeah. and right, but okay, and and you're absolutely right. Punisher has no problems killing. However, Frank does have a code. He's not sure. going for Spider Man. He's not going to kill Captain America just because. Hey, I feel like killing somebody mm-hmm, today. Sure. That's who Cletus is. Cletus just wakes up in the morning. I don't like the way you look at me. I'm killing you. That it, it, yeah. yes, <laughs> obviously Punisher has no problem killing people if they've done wrong. Cletus, there, there, there's no there's no comparison really in my mind between Cletus and Frank. But yes, obviously there's a there's a very violent character in Spider-Man book. It's Punisher. Cool. Okay, cool. I just I I, I you know my feelings on on bullies or people who just get off on inflicting pain on others. And and it, it, this is just a character that embodies that and I'm not I I I have a hard time with Carnage. So here's here's an event all about Carnage, and 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 it's in Miles, and it's weird for me to willingly uh, to go to the shop and buy a book that features Carnage so prominently, and 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 I'm also obviously it's not just it's not just two issues of Carnage, it's. The book ends, the Alpha and the Omega, and it's an issue of Red Goblin, which I, you know, had never bothered with before. I think that this was the character that was introduced in towards Slot's end of of Amazing with the Stuart art, and it was, and the, the whole Normie Osborne, and so I'm I'm learning a little bit about that now, but it's just, it's carnage. So here's an event that Miles is part of, and and Miles is somebody who really hasn't well definitely hasn't dealt with cletus as often or as much as peter has but um they're still they're still within that spider-man family still in that spider-man corner of the of the marvel universe so um they're bound to cross paths and and tangle um so here we are and and so i am i am branching out for for lack of a better term but i'm i'm reading a carnage book and which is not something I had on my 2023 bingo card. And it's, um, and I'm, I'm not, as far as the story goes, the, the art's fantastic across all of the, all the crossovers so far. I mean, the, the, we already established how great the art is in miles. Um, the art in carnage, um, is by Fran Galan, um, friend Galan. And it's, Carnage and Red Goblin are written by um, Alex Pell and um, Miles Morales, as I said, written by Cody Ziegler. Um, but the art's been great along. The the alpha issue, the main story, is the kickoff of, of the event, and then there's a couple of um, backup stories that uh, 
flesh things out as far as uh, the characters and, and and their their motivations. But um, but having not read, I also wanted to my, my other reason for for jumping in to an event was to see how I'd feel um, if I'd be lost buying and reading random issues that because because this is where we're looking at carnage 13 and 14 we're looking at red goblin number five so obviously the the, the this, this these two series have been running before this event so i just wanted to see how much how, how for somebody who wasn't reading everything from jump how lost i would be or 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 if there'd be if, if the writers were strong enough to uh to just get the readers up to speed and and have them just enjoy the event that they're telling and and i think I, I, I based on what Vince has read, you'll be able to you'll be able to flesh things out. But just based on the event itself, on the few issues, um, the one issue of Carnage, the one issue of Red Goblin that came out yesterday, um, I'm I'm content. I'm fine. I, I I'm not. Uh, I I get where everybody's heads are at. Those that are still attached. It, it's I I am. I'll just I'm enjoying the event. Is is what it comes down to. But it's been it, it's it's. Carnage Reigns again. It's only a seven issue series. Vince mentioned uh, you'll hear it in the bonus, but but the uh, the Marvel previews has the collection of um, of Carnage Reigns. So um, others, if they weren't reading the issues, then they'll be able to catch up later on. But um, but yeah, I, I uh, it's just it's weird for me to uh, to openly and happily talking about an event that 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 features carnage go ahead i blame stegman 100 percent. i blame steggy because i had zero intent to read this thing Mm -hmm. and he did the cover for carnage Mm -hmm. reigns and i'm like holy crap that's awesome looking i need to know what this is about and then i saw miles and i'm like "Eh, i still need Mm -hmm. to know what this is about so, um, I, there was a lot of homework this week because when I read something and I don't know what it is or where it came from, I have to find out. So this whole extreme beat thing, I had no idea what was going on. Same. Yeah. And I guess it's from the King in Black. Long story short, there's a symbiote dragon created some time along the line and Cassidy's co- uh, codex, not his physical form, but his, let's just say his essence, mm-hmm. bonded with the symbiote dragon and Tony Stark's extremist virus. Ah, okay, I get it. That That's kind of cool where you have Two symbiotes, in a sense, right? Because the the dragon is a true symbiote, but a virus is symbiotic as well, right? As, especially when you're talking Tony Stark. And I guess that's where this whole super-powered techno-organic thing with Cassidy's coming from. But the, the, the cool thing about the Carnage series proper is that you see it from two perspectives. There's a detective running around named Jonathan Shade that is at the wrong place at the wrong time and is touched 
by the Carnage symbiote. And so he gets powers and he's tormented and brutalized by the Carnage symbiote. And then there's Carnage proper who hooks up with a serial killer, wouldn't you know, named Kenneth Neely. And he considers himself an artist. He calls himself the artist, right? Mm -hmm. That's his thing. Um, and he, uh, Carnage encounters him um, and they just brutalize Hydro Man. Like, they rip Hydro Man apart. Why? Because Carnage wants Hydro Man's codex. He wants that ability to do stuff with water. And then he rips the shit out of the spot. Like, completely destroys the spot just to get the, the dimension hopping um, powers. And it, it's all leading to Svartalheim, of all places, where Carnage wants to take out Malekith. And I'm like, what? <laughs> who, who could have seen that coming? He's, he <laughs> wants to bring down Malekith. Like, why? But there's a reason why. And I kept reading. I, I'm From what I can glean from Carnage, and I have a symbiote of my own to talk about, Carnage wants to take out Venom. And he's collecting powers to do it. That's what I'm getting from this. Okay? Mm -hmm. But it's a whole lot of fun. Like the... This uh, this was called uh, Carnage in the Court of Crimson and written by, is it Ram V or Ram 5? Yeah, yeah Ram, Ram V. v. Mm -hmm. Well, when I saw Ram V on it, okay, I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be awesome, right? Um, then there's a couple stuff. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson wrote a, a, a short and David uh, Michelini. Uh, but the art is by Francesco Mana. Roger Antonio, Edgar Salazar, Ron Lim, Salvador La Roca, don't listen to that, mm -hmm. uh, and Type Templeton. Love it. But the thing I love about the, the symbiotes, right? Okay, you're in the Spider-Man universe. Spider-Man enters a room. He sees Hammerhead, maybe the Kingpin, you know, Tarantula. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, I guess I got to step it up. He enters a room and sees Venom. He says, oh, fuck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He enters a room and sees Carnage and his, oh, drawer, and his drawers are full. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an escalation of, of the, the, the chaos. Right? They're, they're, they're wild cards. They're, they're pot stirrers. Right? That's what I love about Carnage is that you can't encounter Carnage and just say, Okay, you can't think about it. You can't plan like Captain America. Well, I'm going to bank my shield off that corner and it's going to come flying over here. You have to save yourself because it's freaking carnage. Yeah, you got no spider sense. He's relentless. No, yeah. Right. He's, 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 and he's like, so you're Spider-Man. You're just trying, you're fighting to survive. It's it. Whereas Carnage has nothing to lose. He's just fighting to kill you. And so he it's, will it's kill you. Yeah, absolutely. Where Eddie Brock is just like, all right. I'm going to do the right thing because, you know, the template was forthright. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to try and – but he's he's brutal. Yeah. He's, he's lethal. But Still hate Spider-Man, but he won't 
you won't harm other people trying right. to get to Spider-Man. Right, he right. doesn't give a shit. Carnage will no. destroy everything just, yeah. just for the end game. It's, I, I'm always taken back to, uh, I, I love Clive Barker. And this is a play on, on what Clive Barker said. We're all books of blood, but Carnage has a library card. <laughs> right? I mean, he's going to destroy you. Mm-hmm. He's going to rip you up. I mean, this artist, this Kenneth Neely, he doesn't think twice. He cuts his hand off yeah. at, at one point. He's like, fuck it. Get, you know, you screwed up, kid. Next time, don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. All right. you know. But I, I love the unpredictability of it. And David said it. I'm a huge fan of chaos. Yep. If you show me something that I've seen a bazillion times before, I'm going to gently close the cover and walk away and say, thank you very much. I'm done. But if you show me, you know, um, a serial killer manipulating a serial killer to collect the powers to kill a god, like, I'm in. I can't remember the last time I've read a story like this because I haven't. And so, so, so the alpha issue um the main story is written is co-written by alex and cody artist by julius ota which the art is fantastic in in the the first half of of carnage reigns alpha the the other three stories um art by uh travel foreman um paris uh allen and will robson um and and like i said they just kind of flesh out a little bit more you get some uh you get a- agent gal was uh somebody who showed up early on in the miles story um she's got her own little collection of um of bad guys to kind of just she does she has on yeah yeah she uh scorpions one of her is a member of her crew as well as Electro and Taskmaster and um, a speedster. Was it high? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and Taskmaster seems awfully chatty. I, I don't, and I guess. Yeah, he he's been chatty lately. for a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's just, unfortunately, he, um, he thinks uh, he's trying to save the day. He, he cuts off. Um, Ken's hand, or well, actually, once Ken is absorbed by, by Carnage, he cuts off Ken's hand. Unfortunately, it was the hand that uh, that doesn't exist. So, it was really um, yeah. He, he nice blew try. a surprise on that. But I just I, I um, yeah, I, it's it's been a uh, as Vince was explaining with with the whole Carnage thing. Miles is kind of just Miles is just swinging through Brooklyn when uh, when this diner. Um, when all this trouble is happening in the diner, uh, the cops are outside. It's basically kind of like a hostage situation, and he's trying to. Um, Miles is going to swoop in and uh, try to save the day. Unfortunately, Carnage is there, or the Dreambiote is there, and um, and since Gao is on the scene with Scorpion and her crew, um, or Gao's crew, I mean, Scorpion's not the her. Um, they're all. This shit hits the fan because now you've got a bunch of um, a bunch of brutes and brawlers involved in this s- small space, and uh, and the whole diner ends up coming down, and things just spiral out from there. Um, 
flowing into the into the other issues of, of the the other ongoings that that the event is part of but um it's it's a hell of a few hours it's 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 really quickly it's quick paced um there's a lot going on heavy on the action um it's uh it's it's insane it is it's absolutely one of um i think one of miles i mean after i've been reading through the ultimate stuff and and his the issues when when he was part of uh once he's been folded into the 616 after the ultimate universe folded um uh, th- this seems to be one of it, it may not be one of his toughest fights but it's it's probably one of his his scariest or, or life-threatening um that that miles has come across uh, uh so far and then trying to dust himself off after dealing with rabble and um and kind of uh being under misty knight's wing uh she's um she's a supporting character in the book uh it's he kind of hasn't had a breather and and now he's now he has to deal with with carnage and worry about if agent gow is gonna throw him in the clink when all said and done it's just uh it's it's crazy and and the red goblin issue that came out yesterday that uh that i read um it i wasn't too where i'm not too invested in in these characters and not all you know Liz is whatever but it it's uh it wasn't i wasn't reading red goblin for red goblin to find out what the hell's going on in this book it, it was just it was it was the next chapter in this event so um I was really just there for for seeing that action, but uh, but yeah, so far, I mean, we're we're more than halfway done, and um, and 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 it's been a wild ride. I I, I really have not been. I I can say that I really have no complaints about it so far. Jason, why are you so damn quiet? You read this? I did. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I read it because you guys read it, so I wanted to just—I didn't want to be sitting here listening to me like no clue what was going on. Um, Isn't it I mean, fun? a couple of things. One, um, the Extrembiote, like, was actually originally Tony Stark. Like, that's—it wasn't that. Like everything you said about how it was created is true, except it was Tony. It bonded with Tony's suit because Tony was trying to save uh, Eddie Brock during the during the King of Black miniseries or event, whatever you want to call it. And then, like, you read that? Then, I read King of Black, yeah. Oh. Um, and then, uh, and then, it was just in st- it was one of those like Tony had it in storage because of course like he has a trillion armors in storage. And then, at some point, that he took the armor back out to uh, I forget the name of the dude that was Carnage before like this latest incarnation of some other dude was Carnage. And then Tony was trying to like get him to not be Carnage, and somehow or another, of course, Cletus Cletus is like got a sense of it, and then be, you know the, right. it became so. Well, so, like, it, the but, Carnage so, yeah, was so, just the symbiote. Right, right. But I'm saying so, so. So it wasn't like Cletus wasn't involved in the creation of the Extremio, but now he's got it. And oh, gotcha. he saw it yeah. Well, they don't make that super clear. No, 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 no. I, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, no. I thought I think it's fine. I mean, I, my, I, I like we all have our thing. Like the the. Um, and I do. Stegman is to blame here. Kate and Stegman, and we had them on. Their Venom run mm-hmm. was first of all awesome. We are, we all enjoyed it, um, and through no fault of their own, it has probably been the most successful new thing in Marvel lore such that like Marvel cannot stop themselves. The fucking symbiotes are all over 
the Marvel Universe every <laughs> month for eternity. Yeah. And like when I'm looking and doing our when I'm doing the previews videos for our patrons every month and I'm going through the previews, it's like first I go through DC Connect and I'm like, okay, there's 47 Gotham books. Way too many for me, but I get it because it's Batman and Batman is is DC effectively, mm-hmm. commercially speaking. Like, okay, fine. Then I go to Marvel and there are 47 symbiote books and I'm like, is are the symbiotes now like DC's Batman? Because like, I mean, Marvel's Batman because I don't think they sell like that, but Marvel seems to think they do. And I mean, there are, I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating. There are at least eight to 10 books a month that have some that's, kind of connection to yeah. the symbiotes. Yeah, that's crazy. And that is just stunning to me because like, like DAP, I mean, and it's all about when you, when you, when you're reading these books, you're falling in love with them. Um, I was never like a Venom guy. I mean, because you know, I cared about the villains before Venom and Venom was like notable. And of course proved the last test of time, but like I was never huge into Venom, but I was like, okay, Venom, that's cool, whatever. Um, and then it's like, we were talking, I mean, we were actually having a conversation about miles and, and, and whether or not he was derivative. And I'm like, like all the symbiotes are just hugely derivative to me. Like they're like, okay, we have Venom and like, we need, wouldn't it be cool if we had a, a red, symbiote that could do other things and we have a yellow symbiote and then we have a, a female symbiote and then we, and it's just there i just i don't know it feels very derivative to me almost like you're just it's just like a marketing ploy and so i have never once cared about carnage in any meaningful way um not, not for the reasons that dap said like i like i don't really think twice about him being a serial killer or what mm-hmm. have you in fact i would actually argue that my complaint about Carnage is that he's had 150,000 issues that he's been in and he doesn't kill that many people because it's Marvel comics. Like if right. he's a, if he's a godlike serial killer, he should be killing people all the time. Like you should walk into this building that he took over and there should be thousands of dead massacred bodies sitting there, but whatever that that's an aside. Um, so yeah, like it's fine though. Like, like clearly Marvel wants carnage to be viewed as as a joker level villain for them like like one of those unstoppable forces of nature that everybody should care about at all times and maybe that is the case it's not for me but maybe that is the case because again he's got his own ongoing series right like you said he's i think we're like 13 or 14 he's 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 been in he has been involved in like five different events in the last decade so yeah i mean i guess he's a thing and like cool but i guess we're we're this series where I'm men's and men's on it is like, what can he do? And if he's that powerful, then like, how the fuck's Miles going to stop him? Like, I don't know. Like, like he can take over the form of a building now. Like he can inhabit the internet. He can like, what, like he's basically just God now. Like, like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, I don't like what, like he's, he's seemingly, he's plugged in to be. Yeah. But like, this is like the op, this is like a, a, this is like the, the issue people had with Superman at times in his, Therefore, he was so powerful that he could do anything. Like to me, they're depicting Carnage to basically be able to do whatever he needs to do to win and persist. And then it's like, okay, well then, I don't get it. Like, what's the then? What's the where is the tension? Where's the story? Like, like, like I don't. It just seems like in these five or six issues, it seems ridiculous to me. Like all the different powers he has. Like, do he, you think it would? It would? Do you think it would feel more, um, more of a threat if? If this was actually something that uh, the Avengers or Shield were taking on, and not just, it, and it wasn't just happening like Red Goblin and yeah, Giles I guess Morales. so. But well, that, but the thing is, and this is my exalt, like 
how many we've had so many symbiote events that they yes. have all been involved Agreed. with right like it's like every two years we get a symbiote event and it's like now we, then we had null right like it wasn't all enough now we had then we had a god of the symbiotes it's like okay and cool we got it's summer like, of symbiotes yeah so it's like i mean and listen again if if you love the symbiotes cool like this is this is a this is <laughs> a halcyon time for, this is a halcyon <laughs> yeah. time for you but for me it's just like okay i don't like i don't know like it doesn't they don't do much for me collectively and uh so well, you yeah, can, I don't know. Like, and you, I guess, and honestly, like, if it had been twenty years since we read a Carnage story, this would be super cool because, like, all this is a badass. Yeah. But it, like, I literally feel like I cannot escape symbiotes being involved in some major part of the Marvel universe, and it's just weird to me. Like, like I don't know. I mean, like, now they we know that they're from the planet Clintar, and sometimes they're benevolent, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they have very specific powers and can be defeated by sound. Sometimes they're godlike. Then there's actual god of them, and then this god has been like, ah, it's just I don't know. It seems like Michigas to me, but. But again, like probably because I don't have it, I don't have that nostalgic pull towards them to start with. So like you amp it up. You, if you go from from two to ten with the stuff, if I didn't love the two, I'm not going to love the ten. Whereas if I love the two, I'm probably over the moon at how crazy it's getting. But which is where I think Vince sits with it because he Vince Vince likes the stuff to start with. So of course, like if you amp it up and get crazy, then that's awesome. So like, I think it's well done though. I mean, like like you guys, I didn't, I had no connection to the Carnage series or the Red Goblin series before this, and I was able to follow along. I mean, they're doing a nice job from the narrative, and um, and I love Miles, so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it's fine. It, it, the art's been good. Like you guys said, I think the art, there's been a bunch of different artists involved because it crosses over, but I think they've all been very competent to varying degrees. I think Vincentini's awesome. Um, yeah. I really enjoy his work. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's somehow, somehow they'll find a way to beat him again, right? Because it's, it's the nature of these books, but it's not the nature of the books; it's the nature of the beast. You're talking mainstream comics. No, right? I know. Yeah, that's does, what I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, he's going to get beat, right? Like, so right. like does, they're depicting him in a way that's like I don't know how he's going to get beat. Like, he's, right? Yeah, it's, D- yeah. Does anything ever feel threatening in a, in a mainstream? No. no, nothing does. No. Because no. you know, like poor Kamala, right? Okay, in a little while she'll be back. It's this. It, it's it's the habit. Yeah, that's trail. another great example. I mean, some of our friends and some of our patrons were very, very upset, and legitimately so. And I don't want to dis. I, I never wanted to dispel like someone's emotional reaction to something, but there's definitely been some controversy about, I guess, the way that Kamala's death has is either has or is going to be depicted in in Spider Man, and whether it should have happened in ASM. And maybe I'm just an old jaded dude who's read, a, you know, a couple too many thousand superhero yeah. comics, but I was just like. I hear your complaints and I, I like I empathize that it's bumming you out, but like you can't get that upset about it because if anything, killing off a character in a big marketing ploy is almost a testament to the character nowadays. It's like Marvel's telling you they actually think the character has merit because right. like like they're making a big deal of her death. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's the world we live in in superhero comics. Like if she was just a non sequitur character, you, you wouldn't even know she died until you read the issue. But the fact that they're building this big thing around it and the death of means, A, they think a lot of her as a character. And, B, she's going to be back. She's going to be back in, like, like no, no, like no, probably six months, but, like, no more than a year or two, right? And she'll be yeah. back and she'll be an Avenger or whatever and, like, she'll have her own book. And, and that's, that's like, she's she's essentially made it. Like, you, like for the people that are upset, like, she's made the big leagues. She's, yeah. she's a character they care enough about to write off and then bring back. So, like, yeah. And, and I mean, she's in Captain Marvel, too. No, exactly. Well, yeah, that, that, yeah, she'll be back in time for the Marvels. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, like, and I hear you, like, but I, I really did, like, I guess I, I didn't see the connection to the whole, like, like the, the fridging stuff. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a fair characterization of that at all. Like, 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 I, I just, 
again, like we could, also, just, we, we could make such like I did. I started it. You could make a list of hundreds of Marvel and DC characters that have now died. And some have died and come back the next issue. Some have died and been gone for 20 years. All right. Like Captain Marvel. I mean, but but like they 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 all come back. I mean, Jean, Jean Grey was the one that was supposed to never come back. She came back. Right. Bucky. Like, but Bucky, well, Bucky right, was never, never right. Come back. Uncle Ben's the only one. But it's still it's I, I, I also think what probably didn't sit right with a lot of readers was that her death. Miss Marvel's death happens in an, in, in an issue of Amazing Spider-Man where I don't know how often she's appeared in this current run by, by Wells and, and Ramita Jr. And because if anything, she's she's BFS with Miles more than Peter. And it was just it was an issue that you know promised someone's death where you would have thought it would have been one of Peter's supporting characters. And it just it, it just didn't. It, it was I don't think it was the right place for that for for her story to end that way it's just it, it was one it's it just a weird thing it's like she doesn't have her own book right now so so she's gonna guest appear in in what could be Marvel's flagship and it's just it it I think for some it just felt like a wasted opportunity they could have made something bigger out of it and it was just like it was despitey death that just really has nothing to do it's a death that happened in a spidey book that for a character that doesn't have anything really to do with that particular spider-man have they yeah. just started reading mainstream comics like that's that's the thing it, I, the I, way I it is with them with the moral indignation on this one it this it doesn't just because again this isn't it, it'd be one thing if this was if it was rare to kill off a character but like just characters get killed off all the time they, everywhere they, like like literally everywhere i mean and then and then like i said if, if he's back in six months what do you then people are like oh i get like it's just Right. It's just like these are. Listen, we love them. We talk a lot about them. We just got done talking about it. Like we we we've been reading these characters in some cases for forty freaking fifty years. Like I don't want to downplay that. Like these characters mean a lot to us. But like at this point, unless you're brand new to superhero comics, you have to understand that this is all interchangeable IP. This is literally they get together every six months in a room and they throw ideas at a board and they literally whiteboard these ideas where you take character A against character B insert idea or setting C and put people in charge of it. And then you're like, Oh, you know what? Let's move this character over here. Let's kill this character. Let's give this character new powers. Let's give this character new identity. Like it's just IP shifting. Like it, it, and again, I'm not like, like it can be enjoyable. I, but I'm just saying like it, you have to understand the, 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 the commerce of it. And there is no sort of like, I just don't buy into this idea that there's some underlying moral obligation that Marvel and DC have to treat these characters a certain way. Like that ship, I mean that that horse left the barn a long, long time ago. Like so, I just where you lose me is when you try and make it out to be like this was some something we should have like feel as morally indignant. Like that's you lose me there. Like she's just a character that that Marvel owns completely, lock, stock, and barrel. They created her. She you know, and again, like Sana, cre- like pushed for the character, and at the time, it, it she is a huge step in the right direction as far as representation goes. No doubt about that. But her getting killed doesn't change that, right? Like you said, she's she just had an MCO MCU freaking TV show. Like like they just gave her an eight issue episode TV show on Disney Plus that probably cost them fifty million dollars to make, and she is the co star of a major MCU theatrical release coming this year. So like the character has far transcended 
the Kelly Sue DeConnick book or wherever that she was debuted in, right? Like, like she is, she is big time now. Like, like how many characters that we love and have been reading for decades have yet to appear in an MCU movie, much less be the star of one. So we need to like, just relax a little bit. Like it's fine. They've killed Thor. They've killed Captain America. They've made, you know, I mean, like, it's just, it's fine. Like relax everybody. Jason, I don't know if you read this, but uh, they killed Superman. Yeah, they kill time. fucking Superman. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, like it's 90s. just yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, you know, like the Batman was dead for a year. We had, we had, we had Commissioner Gordon as Batman in a, in, a, in a robotic suit. Like, like it's just you know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, you're done talking for a little while. Yeah. 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 I have another symbiote. Woohoo! Yeah. Yes. Toxin. No. No, this is Venom. This is this is the OG. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's actually fine. Venom, Lethal Protector Two. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, I read three issues of this, written by uh, David Giggles. Whenever I say this name, I don't know if I'm saying it wrong. David Michelini. 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 Yes. David Michelini. <laughs> Illustrated by Farid Karami, and color art by Arif Prianto. Now. Jason's gonna love it because it uh, the well, at least the first issue centers around Nick Fury and Silver Sable and the Wild Pack. Ooh, yep. Fury calls up Silver Sable. He's like, "Got a job for you. Um, I want you to guard this very important relic." Okay, it's something that uh, the Vanguardians they want it badly. Bada bing, shit hits the fan, and into the fray while the Vanguardians are trying to steal this thing and Silver Sable and her guys are trying to protect it, Eddie Brock kind of stumbles into the, the fray. And Venom, as Venom, and he's not, I'm not going to lend a hand because you're not innocent. Sable's hot, yes, but she's not innocent. She doesn't need my help. I'm out of here. Um, but wouldn't you know it, he does consider someone in the pack innocent. And this guy's name is Pablo Mendez. Dap, do you know where Pablo Mendez is from? I do not. Web of Spider-Man Annual number eight in 1992. Wow. Yes. And there's an editor's note next to it that says, hey, remember Pablo from Web of Spider-Man Annual number eight in 1992, I was like, "Wow, an editor's note and a good comic reference." Um, and this uh, Web of Spider-Man Annual was penciled by Aaron Lepresti and written by Michelini. Wouldn't you know it? So Venom Venom enters the the, the fray. Right, he saves Pablo from death. Uh, at the hands of his fellow Vanguard operative because Pablo doesn't like to kill. And his buddy's like, what are you doing? Get up and start shooting. Pablo's like, nah, I don't think so. And the operative's like, well, if you're not going to shoot, I'm going to kill you. And Venom steps in and, you know. Uh, But yeah, Pablo was fighting for the opposition, but he wouldn't kill, so... Since one of his team turned on him, Venom enters and, you know, really bad decision for the person that was going to kill Pablo. But um, so here's the deal. Venom spooks the Vanguardians and they leave. And Silver Sable's like, hmm. Wow, did you guys just see what happened? Uh, It turns out 
that the bunker that housed the artifact was once part of Majestic 12. Oh, be still my heart, right? Uh, reverse engineering, alien, you know, bric-a-brac, um, of which this relic definitely is. It's called the Sornai Artifact. And it is a crystalline construct capable of siphoning solar energy and redirecting it towards anything organic. That's a hell of a weapon, right? Problem is that the manual didn't come with it. At least they couldn't decipher it. So uh, that's why we were trying to get the trying to open up this relic and see what makes it tick. And the rel- the Vanguardians need the relic for something that they're calling the New Eden Project. So Sable, really smart, and platinum blonde, lover, she puts Eddie Brock on the payroll. Venom is now a member of the Wild Pack. Mm-hmm. Very fun. And somebody is trying to manipulate the vulture getting the vulture to do something for him. Get something for me. Go get this. I'll give you some money. And who throws himself between the vulture and the thing is Cardiac. Oh, my God. Yes. Cardiac. crap. I love Cardiac. Cardiac was so awesome. Cardiac was one of the first dudes who had an RSS feed hooked up because he had, one, he had, a, uh, he had a device where any time... Basically, it was just keywords, and and his his screen would pop on whenever something, whenever the news would mention a certain word, and I was like, "That's fucking awesome!" And and here we are, like, and, and a few years later, with with the internet blowing up, we we have this ability, and and all these little man widgets cardiac. on my screen would do that. It was it was crazy. I love cardiac. Yes, that was a Larson guy, right? right. Yes, it was. Larson. Very good. Look at you, yeah. all grown up. My goodness. Right? I remember, yeah, I remember that because that, that Larson's distinctive, you know, it's, that style's distinctive. Yeah. So Cardiac puts himself between the vulture and the thing the vulture wants, and the man that was manipulating the vulture steps into the light. And you know who that man is? Vulture. You'll never get it. You'll never, uh, ever get it. Nope. Paladin. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to tell you because you'll never get it. Okay, Doctor Doom. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> Doctor Doom. Now get this. No shit. I'm not kidding. Not only is Doom in Lethal Protector Two, Doom is going to show up in the Venom ongoing. Like, what is happening? I, it's, it's it's off the rails. And this is the stuff that lights a fire in my butt, Bunsen burner, because. <laughs> If you throw Doctor Doom into the mix, and it involves Ven- like I have never seen Venom and Doctor Doom together, have you? Ah, no, I've never seen it. I can't remember. So it's new. Even if I did see it before, it's new because I can't remember. And I'm just wow, this is awesome. And there's a, a an illustration on one of the covers of a forthcoming Venom issue with Doctor Doom's face and the symbiotes leaking through the the holes in the mask of Doom's mask. Like, that is very cool. So I'm in. There's only one drawback. The majority of the Venom ongoing is drawn by Hitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just can't. I can't. I know. I'm with you. 
So I think Cafu or somebody's drawing it now, which is great, or they will be drawing it, and Hitch is, I guess, taking a backseat, which is, no offense, Brian, I don't think you're suited to be on a Venom book. Your, your art does not read Venom to me. He's not listening. I don't think he is. I don't think he's too busy drawing the new uh, Hickman Ultimate book. So good, let him keep drawing that. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. I thought this was great, Lethal. I just I cannot tell you. You guys, you listen to the show every week, right? I can't tell you the last time I was involved and excited and enthused and just plain giddy about a Marvel. Marvel, that's the thing. Not only a Marvel book, but like a Marvel suite of books. I ordered Death of the Venomverse. It's five fucking issues, and it's Cullen Bun. Yep. Bun, bun in the oven. So I said, okay, I'm down. Five issues is not going to kill me. I'm in. Yes. Somebody pick up the reins, because I don't want to get all giddy over the couch. <laughs> but Hydro Man and the Spot. What? Hydro Man was the... Actually, I think it was his his first appearance was the first issue as part of my amazing subscription back in the early 80s. Morris. <laughs> Morris. <laughs> Mor- Morris Bench. Man overboard. I know Morris yeah. Bench, yes. Yep, with his little okay. distinct, very distinctive striped shirt. Oh, yes, because, you know, whether it's water or sand, you got to have the, uh, the striped shirt. Carnage has a dog now. Name's Spike. It's not really a dog, it's a wolf. Um, yeah, just read it. Read, read the Carnage thing, because it's cool. And it's it ties into the Norse mythology. It's very cool. I won't spill everything. Jason, what else should we be reading? Well, unless you're a Mark-ass buster, wow. I hope that you guys ordered Tao Bang. I didn't. Didn't do it. Marcus, Marcus Buster, then I'll tell you. You're going to have to decide. I don't, what, what is that? Am I a goof? Am I a jerk? Yeah. yeah oh, okay. <laughs> See, that's slime. No, I'm not slime. <laughs> it's not, you're still my slime, but like. <laughs> oh, there, well, you know what? I had a giggle you when you were like. And a Marcus Buster. Okay. No, wait. Before we get into this, when, when you were talking about the symbiote, you're like, it's like a red one, and there's like a green one, and there's like a yellow one. Totally unlike a lantern ring. Right, like oh, this, this Jason's all about the Green Lantern. No, but this is what I'm saying. No, but what, what, what we're talking about is we're talking about the tendency of major publishers to manipulate and market the hell out of everything. So it should not surprise you that there is a rainbow of symbiotes, just like there was a rainbow of lantern rings. If there's a way to cookie cutter manipulate the reader into buying something that they already bought, the big two are going to do it. Yeah, you know what? I will. I will say that's a fair counterpoint because I have rarely read the Green Lantern books on a regular basis. But my the only time I read them religiously was when they were doing the introducing right. all the different colored lanterns. And I will give props where it's due. I think the concept was cool. So it was it was one of those rare instances where marketing was fulfilled as well as conceptually it was it was very vibrant. I will say that. Right. I guess that's fair. Yeah, it made, it made sense. Indeed it did. Um, so, what is Tao for, Bang? Yes, for Tao Bang. Tao Bang is the latest in a never-ending series of 
imports that our friends at Magnetic Press uh, have dutifully brought over from Europe to the U.S. and translated for our enjoyment. And uh, I have been a fan of the vast majority of them and generally speaking, will always um, order them uh, sort of set and scene. And this was no exception. Didn't really know what I was getting into other than the preview solicit, which is just a couple uh, sentences. But I figured, hey, it's magnetic. I'm going to trust them. And uh, I'm glad I did. Um, first of all, as we've all, we have all talked about a lot of magnetic books, they always do a wonderful job at the packaging. And I love that the, they all have the little rounded corners, which is neat because it's like you can put up all your magnetic books on your shelf together and they fit very nicely like that. But this uh, was uh, a this was a French. Well, this is two French novellas uh, published in 1999 and then in 2004. And as Magnetic usually does, they, they bring all the Bond SNA novellas together into one hardcover or two, depending on the length of them, for the U.S. market, which is smart. Uh, and this thing was sizzling. Uh, it is written um, by uh, Daniel uh, Pecour and Olivier Vatine, which we know Olivier from other work. He's also a fantastic artist. He does not draw this book. He's the co-writer, but uh, he was one of the uh, the main artists in um, – um, what's the, the space book uh, that we love for Magnetic? The uh, the eight volume one. Um, um yeah, damn it! It was oh, oh Infinity Eight. Yes, yeah, Infinity Eight. Thank it, you. He was kept one of the artists on Infinity Eight. Yeah. But in this case, he's the co-writer, and uh, and, and the um, the artist is Didi, Didier Casagran, and uh, the art is fantastic. Uh, and this is this is a book where. I would be gobsmacked if Vince didn't love this in particular. Yeah, it looks really uh, and good. And I know, I know Dapp will love it too. But but this is like right up Vince's alley. This is a story of a. It's a. It's basically a a, a high fantasy book. It's, it's a it's a swashbuckler type of adventure set mainly in the sea. Um, and the title character Tao Bang, is uh is is effectively. I mean, I don't know that like a hundred percent can say this, but it's effectively like a belief knockoff right like, like her, yeah yeah i mean she is a badass seafaring pirate captain who is much tougher and deadlier than most of the people around her including all the men um and her her name sort of rings loudly and the book is basically a a, a team-up book where a number of um of of much more uh average folk get brought up into a situation where their good friend, one of the people owns a brothel in this, uh, this town, um, this, this Oceanside town. And there is, um, there is a, a, a baron of sorts who, uh, is anthropomorphic by the way, all these characters are human, but, but in this case, this, uh, this, there's a, a, a dragon reptilian like baron called Ad Arfax. And he's, uh, he's running the town. He's, been given this town to this 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 area the shire to run and he runs it with an iron fist and has consolidated power and is overtaxing everybody and he takes issue for with the with the brothel uh over time and opens up a competing brothel and it's doing ser- it's seriously hurting her business so she and her friends just have heard a legend of a hidden island of mermaids and allegedly, these mermaids are not only gorgeous, but they're sexual freaks. They love the sex. Wow. And so they get this idea of, let's go and find this island and bring some of these mermaids back to work in your brothel and save the brothel. Crazy idea, right? 
Where it's super ha- fun. Yeah, but where huh? do you put it on a mermaid? I don't know. Listen, it, it, these are the things you just you just go with. You just okay. go with it. So to get to this island, though, it's a hidden island. They don't know how to get to it. And uh, and Ad Arfax gets wind of it, and he's like, "Well, I want these fucking mermaids for myself." And like, I'm like, like I got my brothel. Like, I'm not gonna let them get them. So they all go into this this big sea adventure, and they team up with 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 the titular Tao Bang, and just have all sorts of shenanigans as they are both racing to try and find this island. And uh, it's it's an interesting world because it's it's it, although it evokes mainly like your your um, you know the the idea of like the Billy Conan type of a vibe. There's also dinosaurs running around. You know, there's pterodactyls and there's 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 raptors and the like that are that are used as 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 beasts of burden and and transport. So it's got a little bit of that you know that kind of vibe to it, where it's a little bit of more amorphous. That's what I said. It kind of melding different fantasy settings together, but it's really a great chance for for Cassic Grain to show off their stuff and. Um, there's fan service. There's lots of blood. It's very, very. The battles are bloody. There's a. Uh, there's some sexual innuendo. There's definitely a lot of humor. It just was fun and light and just a, like a swashbuckling adventure where they come up with this cockamamie idea. They go on the quest and then there's a really satisfying ending. I don't want to give away the ending, but I will just say that uh, they find the island, but it's not what it seemed. It's not what they hoped it was. And uh, and yeah, it just was great. You know, I mean, I I, I can't. I can't imagine that um, that if you are someone who considers yourself a fan of of high adventure, whether it be Indiana Jones or you know anything like that, you'll love this. This is a lot of fun, and uh, and the art is just awesome. And it's a quick read. It's two short novellas. I don't even think I'm not even sure if it's a hundred pages. Maybe it's a little more than a hundred pages, but it's it's not a, a big giant tome that you got to get through. You get in, you get out. And uh, it was a blast. I was smiling ear to ear the whole time and uh, highly recommend it. Tao Bang. It does look very nice. It is nice. I will give you that. It looks really good. And, you know, the old fallback, oh, it looks like it could have been in heavy metal. It really does. Oh, no. Well, it can because it's it's a it's a French (laughs) it's a French bond dessinée from from the late 90s. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) David sigh. (laughs) Did he? I think he did. Oh, oh I'm, re- I'm really sure he did. He wow, he That's hates a- good fun stuff. No, he does. That's not why he sighed. <laughs> no, 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 I, I sighed because yes, it is. It's, it's, it's a European book, so of course you get the. Well, it's easy. I mean, and it's, it's true. It's, absolutely, no. It's and it's not. It wasn't a sigh because oh, not this again. It was just one of those things where yes, it's it's a sight unseen. It would be yes, as far as I'm concerned, obvious and apparent. Yeah, yeah. I think that you should sigh more when I say things because it's a lot of fun. Okay, mm-hmm. like it a lot. Well, by the way, before we continue, I do want to because I don't want to. I don't want to make. I don't want to throw this to the end when when some folks may dare to stop listening. Uh, but Ooh. humongous round of applause and, and congrats and all the love to our buddy KJ, yes, who was going through some personal issues uh, and and got some great news this week, and we love to hear it. And we uh, we know that obviously he and his family are related, but we just wanted to send some love to him and say we're we're, we're thrilled and 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 giddy and can't wait to see him. So yeah, so true. Amazing coming from your mouth, but it's true. <laughs> I, I want to keep. I want to keep the the. The, the discussion high level aesthetically oh. conceptually I have a very high level 
Oh, please, looking at your list. Yes, please sure. don't. Please don't hurt. <laughs> shut up. Please don't hurt your brain trying to wrap it around this little conceptual nugget oh. of joy. <laughs> I am talking about Rick and Morty presents <laughs> Ma- Maximum Overture. It's written by Brockton McKinney, illustrated by Jarrett Williams, and color art by Leonardo Ito. The villain in question is called Concerto. <laughs> Concerto has piano keys for teeth. <laughs> yes, and a whole bunch of other musical accoutrements. Like he's got um, flowing parchment, uh, which would you know imply the the paper on which musical notation is is uh, written. So all of his traps. Uh, his plans for Rick and Morty involve musical trappings, okay? And as usual, Rick has no idea who this guy is or why he hates him. Concerto's like, aha, I've got you. And Rick's like, the fuck is this guy? I have no idea who this is. And Morty's like, well, yeah, this is how it usually happens. Rick's like, really? I don't know who this guy is. And Concerto's like, well, don't you remember? I blah, blah, blah. And Rick's like, nah, nothing. Got nothing at all. But anyway, he throws Rick and Morty into a musical maze of torment. And what does that mean? All of Concerto's traps and taunts are music-related. These two uh, cabinet record players come lowered from this giant tube on chains. And he goes, okay, see if you can escape my record crew. And it's W-R-E-C-K. O-R-D. Like, it's so stupid. And and he has a very specific progression to his traps. And he's like, okay, you must first strike the correct drum in the correct order based upon the opening percussion section in Mozart's. And Rick is like, no, fuck that. We're not doing that. We are not. We're just... And, and Concerto's like, wait a minute. You, you can't do that. This is... And he's like, no. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, do you ever meet somebody who's like... They're, they're trying to... In magic, especially. At the end of a tournament... At the end of a game, when you've beaten the other person, and they're just like, wait, 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 wait a minute. This is how it would have played out. And they're like, wait, wait. And they're trying to draw that card that's going to make the whole thing light up on in fire. That's what this is. Right? And uh, so there's a point in the story where Concerto tells a story about Colonel Circus Meat. (laughs) Colonel Circus Meat was the owner and clown mascot of Colonel Circus Meat's Chickenish Treats. Colonel Circus Meat was a musical genius and a wizard of poultry, if you could believe that. He had a dog that was always next to him, his trusty sidekick. The dog's name was French Sunday. The dog is festooned with pie slices. He has a, a slice of pie on his forehead. His his flanks are giant slices of pie. And and like Tony, Morty has questions. He's like, Well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait. What's up with French Sunday? And Concerto's like, it's just a dog. He's like, no, no, no. It, it doesn't make sense. W- w- you, wait a minute. Are, are you 
Colonel Circus Meat? And Kinchero's like, oh, no, it's preposterous. I'm not Colonel Circus Meat. Even though he was a very upstanding man and wonderfully talented in, in both music and poultry, I am not Colonel Circus Meat. And then he, he, he goes on to tell this tale of a terrible chicken attack that ended Colonel Circus Meat's career and the life of his companion, French Sunday. The dog, it's really strange. The dog fights valiantly against this flesh-fused psycho chicken. It's a ball of chicken energy <laughs> that, that just ravages everything in Colonel Circus Meat's restaurant, and it tries to get out, and the dog throws himself at the psycho chicken energy ball and uh there's something on the stove it could be dipping sauce and it it goes all over the dog and the dog is this eyeless skeletal monstrosity called chicken skin dog skull (laughs) yes and that's how chicken skin dog skull was born but the cool thing about this issue is it ends very strangely like I don't know if even I should say it because it sets up future plot threads because some characters didn't die. All right, I'll just tell you. Um, Chicken skin dog skull is not dead. And he is now the trusty sidekick of Concerto, who was really Colonel Circus Meat. Uh Yes. I had a ball with this issue. This, unlike previous Rick and Morty adventures, I had to question nothing with this issue. I don't want to say it all made sense, but in graphic terms, it all flowed. It was whatever passes for logic in the Rick and Morty universe, this is it. Right, there was no weirdness that I had to ask Dap like, "What is? I, I don't." Nah. This just it was fast, exercised, wonderful. There's much chicken mayhem, like there's chickens plucking people's eyeballs out, ripping them apart. There's blood. Like it's a violent issue. It's crazy, uh, and then the chickens mold. But there's a giant musical mech. He's wow. an intonational instrument. And um, Concerto tells, calls Rick and Morty tone-deaf brutes. It's all musical-based. Like, it's so stupid and funny at the same uh, time. Get it. I mean, if uh, if you're like me and you're like a Rick and Morty noob, I think you'll appreciate this issue because it's very, very straightforward uh, while being uh, challenging and pleasing at the same time. If you're, if you're a fan of music, who isn't? Right. This one will make you giggle because there's a lot of stupidity in it. Very much stupidity. But it is Rick and Morty. So I think the stupidity is a given. Well, definitely the silliness, but yeah. Yeah, love it. That's great. I'm glad you dug it. I can't, whenever Oni puts out a Rick and Morty, I buy it. Yeah, I noticed. Well, why, I not? Love it. why Why not? <laughs> It's it's one of those. It actually. I mean, yes. If I I I believe anybody reading the comic is a fan of the show, but it is it it is one of those properties that does translate well to comics because you hear 
if you if you're a fan of the show, you hear the you hear the voices. You know exactly how everybody acts, behaves. So it's, you're not just reading it static on a page, and you're like, I don't get it. These jokes are stupid. You it, providing you bring that knowledge of the show along with you. The Oni books do a really good job of of making the cartoon. Um, yeah. Easy to consume on, on a comic book. Yeah, well, when I I told you when I read Rick's dialogue balloons, I hear Tony. But I, I I initially I thought, why is Rick repeating himself like over and over? Uh huh. And I get it now. Yeah. And I I I almost did a Rick there. I I I need it because in the okay in an average dialogue balloon like what 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 do you mean Morty like where what and and if he didn't do that it wouldn't ring true right exactly. so I, normally I would be I would be nonplussed and it'd be like oh my god this I'm trying to trudge through this this dialogue right. but it's very faithful to the character 100%. look over there Morty and like he burps. And then he'll just keep saying it's like it's, and I love it. It's a, I know Jason doesn't get it. I'm sorry, but blame Dap because I'm <laughs> I'm plugged into the Rick and Morty, and I don't think there's an unplug. There really isn't. There shouldn't be. No. Nope. Oh my god. Oh jeez. Oh Rick. I love it. Yeah. And he's, oh Rick. Oh jeez. <laughs> like, shut up, you little dickhole. <laughs> Oh, this, slap this, this that out of your mouth. Season was just so much fun, and and callbacks to the vat of episode, vat of acid episode. It's just the the show could be so it rewards you if you pay attention. I mean, you can just watch it on the surface; it's just stupid gags, right? And, and does things. That, but I mean, if 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 you pay attention, if if you've been if you've been watching it and, and fucking rewatching it, then things things pay off. Little callbacks here and there. It's just right. it's. I don't know if the show has slowed down or my brain has sped up, but I don't find it so hard to decipher anymore. I guess I just had to get down with the language. It's, yeah, it, it, it's just like, well, it, it, it's like with your running and everything like that. You'll see that it, it's just going to be easier. It, yes. It's just, yes. But I don't know why they, they um, uh, in, in the dialogue balloons, they have, they do the the same thing as bleeping out wood in a, in a yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they do it when whenever Rick will say fuck or shit, they'll do f and a bunch of you know asterisks or crazy right. symbols, but they'll let them say dickhole, ass crack, you know. Yeah. But I don't. They they're very. They, well, it's just like it's it's like PG thirteen to rated R. You can you can get away yeah, with one, I think one so. f bomb on yeah. PG thirteen movie um but if it's a mature on, book it's a mature book like let it go it's but even even though it's on adult swim they still bleep the f words if you watch it on on max on the the, the seasons when they're there then you know it's uncensored and they'll say everything. oh nice but, but yeah if they so they're just they're they're mirroring what happens okay well good that's even more faithful then yeah yeah nice love it maximum overture beware hilarious <laughs> uh one so it's i decided to because they've been kicking ass uh with world's finest um i decided to give the new shazam a try with the first issue written by mark wade art by the phenomenal dan mora um alejandro sanchez on colors so this first issue of uh of shazam is uh 
It looks great. And it's I, I felt like it was a really good obviously it's the first issue, but it's a good jumping on point if you don't know really anything about the character or you just may know him from the two movies. But it it's it's a uh Shazam has been part of the DC universe for decades. He wasn't originally, but he is now and, and has been for a minute. Um, but, uh, but Wade has a lot of fun with the character in, in this first issue. And Mora, uh, draws a really strong Captain Marvel. Um, but it's also one of the, because it's the dawn of, of DC books. There's a, um, there's a, there's a reference to, um, the recent, like the, the dark crisis and the whole Lazarus event and things like that. So, um, there, there, there are things where, you know, if, if you're knee deep in the DC universe, then, then you might not have too many questions, but, um, there were a couple of things that gave me pause, but for the most part, you know, it's, it's a pretty straightforward first issue. Um, he's hanging out and, uh, in his in his cave of wonders uh, that we're hanging out with the, at, at the Rock of Eternity, because um, that's the uh, it's at the center of all space and time, so that's where Billy hangs out as Shazam, um, playing with action figures, bowling. Um, they show him so he's polishing his combat skills. That's when he's playing with action figures. He's training his muscles. That's when he's bowling with a giant bowling ball. Uh, he's practicing his coordination, which is where he's dancing like a beyond a white dude uh, in front of these giant speakers. Do some intensive superhero research, and he's watching the old Batman from the forties serial um, and living the good life as he's playing the video game. Um, but uh, his uh, Freddie Freeman shows up. Um, he, uh, he, he's not able to, um, Freddie can't turn into Captain Marvel Jr. It's fallout from, uh, from the Lazarus planet event. So they're kind of, um, fix that and, and, uh, make that all better. But, um, there's a, uh, there's a very sinister character hanging out in the, um, at the rock in the caves, uh, we don't, we don't see, he's just, uh, he's just speaking to someone, um, two shadowy figures that were not, I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're new to this story, new to this, new to this new series, or if they've been around for a minute and, uh, or, or, um, reimagined and they're old foes, but, uh, they're there waiting. Um, Billy and Freddie, uh, fly back to um, Philadelphia so uh, so Billy can go to school um, and uh, so they show him at school Talkie is now a um, he's a uh, he's basically the Jeffrey for you Bel Air fans of uh, of the the uh, the Victor and Rosa Vasquez home the folks who uh foster um all these kids basically the the shazam family but uh talkie tony is over here and 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 it's neat seeing a very well manicured and well-dressed tiger 
um, cooking dinner for the family. There's a uh, there's a really interesting page, full page um, panel where uh, where Billy kind of has a side hustle where uh, it's a sponsored fan cast, and um, so he can report on the latest news about Captain Marvel's adventures and everything that he's been doing. Um, then we're seeing some some social media comments here and there sprinkled throughout, but something's happening in California where uh, uh, an earthquake hits SoCal. And uh, so Billy takes off, says the magic word, flies towards the West Coast, uh, saves some people, but the issue ends... Um, he's on camera. He's saving everybody. There's no fatalities. Um, the reporter's there asking, you know, we're broadcasting this story globally. You got a few words for our millions of viewers. And Cap flies down and he says, gosh, I, I don't know what to say. I'm just glad to help. And this woman hugs him and says, you didn't help us. You saved us. You saved my babies. You saved all of us. How can we ever thank you? And and Cap's got this look on his face. And he's about to say, well... And then his face completely changes and he's looking all mad and grimacing. And he says, since you asked, you can all get the hell away from me, you pathetic, stinking cow. And everybody's all aghast and mouths are agape. And he goes off. He says, you're thankful for me. You should be thankful. All of you pitifully stupid peons. And he's just, he's going ham on everybody. And then all of a sudden something clicks and he's just like, he stops in mid sentence. And he's like, he has no idea what the hell just happened. No idea. No idea. Uh, Can't even comprehend what he said or what he's done. And that's the end of the issue. So I haven't read the second issue yet. No idea what may have uh, infected him or caused this. But but I said, as as far as the first issue, I thought thought Mark and Dan did a real solid job of, um, of getting... The reader, New World, um, up to date, snuff on uh, on the current version of um, of this character. So, you know, it didn't turn me into a lifelong Shazam fan, but um, it, it's I've whether it was and it's a callback to when we were talking about Don Newton with the shuffle and and, and the Detective Comics issue. Um, you know, because of Don Newton, I've enjoyed some Captain Marvel stories. Because of the Rich Buckler drawn story from DC Comics Presents, where Cap and and Superman kind of switch bodies, I've 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 enjoyed some Shazam stories over the years. I haven't read every iteration of the character, haven't haven't checked out every new series that, that that's come along the way over the years. But um, I trust Wade and. Dan knows how to draw, so I figured I'd have nothing to lose giving this a shot. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll see where we go with the second issue. See, see how long I stick with it. But it wasn't um, it wasn't I don't want to say it wasn't bad because that's that's not a really great sell. I dug it. I, I don't know if um, for for the hardcore long time Shazam slash Captain Marvel fans, I'm curious to know how how they feel about it. If uh, if they think it's um, if it's a fitting continuation of, of the legacy or if, uh, if they feel that, you know, Wade has no clue, um, or they're just not feeling the fallout from all the current events and, and what the status quo is 
currently for the character. But I, I, um, I thought it was a win. I, I, I'll, I'll take it as a. It was definitely more hit than miss. Uh, so yeah, if not sure if anybody else might be checking it out, but uh, but I thought it was pretty neat. Nice. Yeah, I have the issue. I haven't read it yet, though. So cool. Can't speak to it, but figure with that creative team though wasn't right it wasn't going to be something i i mean i didn't i can't imagine disliking it it might not like you said it might not pull me in shazam isn't exactly like a go-to character for me but right yeah, yeah. gotta be better than the last movie thank god <laughs> yes still haven't seen it but yeah Oof. yeah <laughs> i'm in that no was, rush to either was, yeah. the stanky leg <laughs> if, uh... hey there you go Everybody, thank you for being here with us one more time around. We implore you to come back next time because there'll be a whole lot more of this going on. And remember, we have a Patreon. We do. Don't, yeah, we do. It's uh, <laughs> nice. pa- patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Take a look around. Audio, video, polls, downloads. Um, you get to chime in on the book of the month, which will be announced relatively soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, we have a dedicated Slack channel. It's all hoity-toity and shit. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we gather every day, 24 hours a day, and just talk about all sorts of stuff. Add, a lot of attaboys because we're family and we love each other. That's right. So mm-hmm. um, if you want to know or at least get a Pick each other up, praise each other, encourage each other. Yeah. Give each other tough love sometimes when we need it. Yeah. Seems like I guess I need it more than most, but whatever. Please, dude. Anytime, wow. anytime I, I, I turn on the Slack and I see a little like highlight like you've been mentioned, I'm like, oh, it's got to be Vince taking a shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking True. about. Well, of course it takes credit for the surf. You kind of do, though. It's just facts. I mean, listen, I'm going to take credit if it's facts. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know, like... Okay. It's not like either of them are disputing it. Okay, McMahon. There you go. Um, I mean, hey, again, it is what it is. Like, you got to, you know... You know, when you when you get a dub, you got to... You be Don't be afraid to claim it. That's all right. You're good. You're good. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And do not forget, if you're in the market for some cheap graphic novels, where do you go? Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Easy to remember. What a name. Back up the truck, but a little bit of strategy needs to be employed first. There's a Conan sale. 55% off a whole mess of paper. Check that out. Buy something. Get the order confirmation. Reply to the order confirmation saying, 11 o'clock comics sent me. You will be gifted with free shipping on your next order. And that's your clue, your 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 chance to go hog wild. Don't be silly. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. In your travels. Ooh. You hear that, Jeff? <laughs> In your travels. Written by Paul Allure. Art by Ariel Medel. M-E-D-E-L. Medel or Medil. Uh, colors by Sarah Meyer. Published by IDW. Either of you read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter? I did I not. not. Saw it on the rack yesterday, though. 
first issue of which was published Wednesday, was released Wednesday. Guess which cover I got. I, you'll never guess. I mean, I don't know the covers, so I can't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm choosing from. Oh, I got the only cover uh, among what looks like dozens of covers. The Freddie Williams oh cover. Come on. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. My dude, my dude. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be and, Anyway, uh, it's this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's a mere introduction to what is going to transpire within this series. There is a fighting tournament in Atlantic City. And wouldn't you know it, the Turtles are there, as are the Street Fighter people. And the issue opens with Raph and Guile going mano a mano. Who do you think the big bads are? Now, if you were writing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Street Fighter miniseries, who would you make the bad guys? Oh, um, and Bison. Yes. And Shredder. And Shredder. Nope. At least not now. Hey, Baxter Stockman? Yeah, Baxter Stockman. It's, oh, it's, interesting. It's oh. M. Bison and Baxter Stockman are observing from behind the scenes. They got their little vid- video wall. And uh, for some reason, they stop the Raph-Guile fight. They want uh, Bison wants Raph out of the fight. It's like, okay. Um, then Mikey gets to throw down with Chun-Li. And he pulls his punches, much like Superman did with Spider-Man. And she gets him in a scissors around his neck. As any man on this friggin' planet would want Chun-Li to get them, you know, around the neck with their with their legs. And there's a little bit of a romantic attraction going on between Mikey and Chun-Li. It's very cute. I don't know what's going on here, but there seems to be a plan um, behind the scenes. I don't know. It has yet to play out. But the gangs, most of the gang is here. Ken, Chun-Li, you know, the Turtles, it, it's all going to uh, probably amount to some some wonderful fisticuffs, and uh, it is drawn beautifully. I don't know what more you would need, but if you do, I think you're listening to the wrong show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chun-Li just, yeah, knocks the hell out of Mikey. It's a bit difficult to read. But I think he got like he's enjoying it. I think because sure. yeah, if you, she's got her legs around your neck. I think you're doing all right. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, Street uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter Number One. Go get it. Well done. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just all about the mainstream tonight. Uh, another first issue came out yesterday by a. Um, by a well-known name, however, uh, new to comic book writing, uh, Steelworks number one, written by Michael Dorn, aka Worf, and the voice of Steel uh, in the animated features. Um, art by Sami Basri and uh, Andrew Dawes on the colors. It um, it's part of the Superman family of titles uh, post-war world with um, with Clark, Cal, and Kara, and 
Connor and John and all the others, the 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 two refugees from War World and um, the Superman of uh, of China, and so this first issue, uh, which is I thought really really done well, um, I seeing Michael Dorn in this final season of Picard and, and, um, and it kind of, for me in, in, in my head can, it kind of makes sense seeing, seeing that version of Worf and, and how that, that character matured after so many years from next generation, how he kind of like meditates kind of a pacifist to some degree on the show now, but, uh, hearing that the, the, the actor knowing he wrote this story, um, it it works. It 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 makes sense. And he and John Henry Irons, he um basically he's 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 talking to his niece throughout most of the issue and um and he's kind of just saying to her that um he he kinda wants to make to to allow the people of Metropolis to, to kind of be uh self sufficient, to not always have to rely on the supers, to not look up and expect to be saved for every little thing. He wants to, you know, to it, everybody has to adapt. What you know, the, the, the people had to adapt when computers came around, and and you know, everybody who was used to earlier versions of of technology and and how the improvements and advancements changed the world and made people's lives better. But um, he doesn't want people to be dependent on metas and supers and and just kind of take the easy way out. And I I. I can get with that. I completely understand. He, you know, they, they'll be there. They're available. They'll help. But he doesn't want them to just be the reason that everybody kind of just keeps barely getting by because they'll be saved or whatever. But um, he uh, it, it goes back to his um, his time at uh, we, we get a little quick little few panel origin story where he was the chief engineer at uh at a Mertech corporation and which of course they made weapons for war um and he quit and of course we find out later in the issue that when he quit when he quit stock prices plummeted and the company kind of basically went under but you know we also see him picking up the hammer going to try to fight doomsday um picking up the mantle when as we mentioned earlier superman died um teaming up with his niece and Vince, I, I had no idea, but apparently Lana Lang and John Henry items are a couple. I remember reading a story somewhere where they were. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's from, um, what was the, uh, uh, the, the imprint where they, all the stories jumped into the future. Oh, Oh, the future or the, the the last the last big thing that they had when when they they introduced the the new Wonder Woman and uh, oh yeah 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 I think yeah I think right. uh, Henry and and Lana were a thing there okay um, I could be totally wrong but that's where I'm I'm thinking I remember it from so we we're, we're introduced to a um, a blonde dude who's kind of just. A bit bummy. Um, he, uh, his 
his last name is Kerry, and his um, his wife died. So he's, uh, which is why he's being a mope. He goes to the cemetery, visits the wife's gravesite. On his way back, he bumps into some tall-looking dude, looks like a bodyguard, standing next to a limo, and they invite him into the vehicle. Um, and uh, the guy in the car, his last name is Walker, and so Walker is talking to Carrie and saying that uh, the reason that he wanted to meet Carrie and talk to him is because he wants to, he needs help bringing down Steelworks. And apparently Carrie uh, used to work at Emertech and when John quit and the company went into the toilet, um, my man lost his job and his wife was ill and they couldn't afford to to save her so he's he's not bitter but he's he's definitely depressed and uh and and walker is going to manipulate that and and take advantage of it and use that to uh to attack steel so um we have the antagonist it's it's a pretty solid pretty let's say basic but it, it it it's a good setup um I like I like Steel. I like John Henry Irons a lot. Um, the art is great, and um, it's it's uh, it's fitting for this for this story. A um, couple couple of panels were a little confusing just based on how things were laid out, but um, it it ends on a on a little not really a cliffhanger. Ends with some action. Um, Steelworks is. Uh, is being attacked and um and nat is uh basically the first line of defense and and she's she's down there to um to face whatever the danger may be which we haven't we haven't seen by the end of the issue so um and there's a little bit of a kind of a dossier where there's a collateral damage analysis going back from when doomsday cut his swath of destruction across america um there's the uh, Ultra Woman Centennial Day attack and the Steelworks Tower construction site explosion, talking about casualties and um, damage costs, things like that. So it was, it's a neat little like encyclopedic little little write up. But I think um, I'm, I'm looking forward to these six issues. Uh, as I said the, the art's pretty solid, and um, and I want to see uh, I want to enjoy Michael Dorn's. Comic book writing. So yeah, in your travels, Steelworks number one. I think it's a six issue miniseries. So there you go. Nice. Well, I'm going to knock you guys over with a feather because I have a vampire comic to talk about. I know that's a shock. I know I'm I'm such a I hate vampire books. I don't know they, they adapted Twilight into a comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, this has been a halcyon time. This is the last few years for for vampire comics. If you're into them, which I am, there's been a lot, uh, and and one uh, just wrapped up, and that is Little Monsters, uh, which was mm. a th- thirteen issue series. I believe it it was supposed to be twelve, and then it somehow ended up thirteen, or maybe it was supposed to be thirteen. It's lucky, I don't remember. But either way, it was thirteen issues. It is finished. Uh, it was the Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen uh, latest collabo. They have done many things together. They pretty much work together nonstop. Um, probably most notably because of the length of it, 
descender ascender which lasted for you know a good chunk of years but um they're a good great team and uh this story was essentially a vampire post-apocalyptic lord of the flies the premise is very simple there's a bunch of kids of varying ages they are all alone because their caretakers have uh, gone on walkabout but haven't returned yet and they're living in the remnants of an old city yeah, I assume by the way of it, many, many, many decades, if not hundreds of years past the end of, of, of civilization as we knew it. Um, and they're just kind of like living relatively mundane lives, playing tag, you know, singing songs, being bored, whatever, like not much to do. But the conceit here is that they are they believe they are the last children on Earth and they are vampires, which is why they're able to live in this setting where there's not really any food and no, they're uh, there's but they're able to live because they're vampires. But a funny thing happens on the way to the Coliseum because for the first time in, like I said, probably at least decades, if not hundreds of years, they come across a living, breathing human being, or a few of them do. And uh, they have forgotten what it meant to be vampires because it's been so long since they fed on human blood or much less smelled human blood or saw human, they forgot about the bloodlust. And so, uh, as you might think, the kids that come across this human get consumed by the bloodlust and ravage the human. And they're like, holy shit. And they feel alive again. And they're like, this is incredible. And the one's like, well, wait a minute. We, we were told by our masters by our, that they, we were the last kids on Earth. But clearly that was bullshit. And if there's one of these humans around, there's got to be more. And I want more because it's delicious. So they go trying to find wherever this person came from. Now, that's like half the kids. The other half of the kids are much chiller and much more kind of in their themselves and the Zen-like existence that they have. And they don't have any interest in killing humans or and they don't want their friends to get caught up in that. And it creates this relatively, like I said, Lord of the Flies-like situation of half the kids want to do it one way. The other half want to do it the other way. And they come to very much blows over it about what's right to do and whether they should do it. And uh, it was really well done. You know, I love Dustin's work. I think he's very good with particularly drawing children. I mean, he's, that's been a big part of his career. I think he, by design, he does, he takes on a lot of projects that fit that aesthetic because he seems to be very good at it. And um, certainly that was a big part of Ascender Descender. And, and he did the Robin book recently with Jeff. Uh, so it's, it's just something he's good at, but, but uh, this was great. You know, again, I, I, I think that uh, I love the idea of collaborative partners who appreciate each other working together, but doing different things. They did the, well, I think that was like five or six issues with the Robin story. And, and, and then they did this, which was 13 issues. And obviously they did a 50 issue run before that. So i like that they just take on projects that fit, the, you know, of a different lengths to fit what they want to do. And uh, I can't wait to see what they do next. Well, look at you. Love it. Reading a Jeff Lemire book. Who would have thunk it? It's shocking. Yeah, and a vampire book. I know. Yeah, a Jeff Lemire vampire book is sort of it's right my alley. Crazy, crazy shit. More on brand? Seriously. You got a sweater vest? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this. We're glad you're here. Please come back next time. We'll have a beverage, a sandwich, maybe some whatever. You, you, you order it in advance and we'll have it for you. In the meantime, go buy some comics. 
And cheap graphic novels. And cheap graphic novels. Hug your loved ones. Kiss your dogs. Go for a walk. And say goodnight. <laughs> David. Yeah, I won't distract you. Or should I distract you? I'm not, I'm, I'm not a jerk. At least I'll try not to be. Ay, 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 ay. Hey. I don't know. I just lost you know? all, all track of place and time. Must have been Maximum Overture. <laughs> yep. So what'd you think, Jason? Was he on the mark or was he not? Completely on point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with it. We're out of here. We we love you so <laughs> m- <laughs> we love you so much. Just come back next time. Tell them Call that me. you tell them that you love them. Love yeah, them. for sure. I'm really feeling it, feeling it this week. I love you guys a lot. Who are you talking to? Them or us? Them. Where are you where are you uh, pointing your slime nozzle? They're my slime. They're my slime. They're my slime. got them. Is there a Dungeon Quest game that has the slimes? The little, little dollop looking. Is it Dungeon Quest? I think it was Dungeon Quest. Yeah. Pretty cool. sure. That's it for that one.